I'm excited about this topic. I think it's an important topic. We try to teach on things that are important, that it will be helpful to us, that will help us in our Christian walk and help us in life. There's a lot of challenges in life. There are a lot of things that are difficult for us to understand, and there are a lot of enemies of Christianity. There are many enemies of the cross, and they would love to see religion destroyed, or they would love to see Christianity destroyed. And I want to talk to you a little while today specifically about God, and maybe we're going to begin in a way that's a little bit different. But I want to talk to you about the Big Bang. And if you are alive today, you've probably heard of the Big Bang. And science teachers and professors and the scholarly and people that have a PhD behind their name, no offense, Brandon, uh, they will tell you about the Big Bang and they will talk about the Big Bang as fact. They will talk about it as if they were there and saw it happen and know everything about it and they will describe to you the coming into being of the universe or the cosmos. And I don't know how well you can see this, but you got the Big Bang here and this massive eruption of matter, of chemicals, of molecules, and ultimately down here we have stars and galaxies and universes, and in between there was billions and billions of years. And so this is promoted to us, and it's put in front of us, and it's told by all the scientific community. We're told about it as fact, and it happened in this way, and there just is no other way it could have been. And as you go on down through the immenseness of the cosmos, that all these things are moving outward, and it's expanding, and it's growing. And that's the idea of the Big Bang. And I want you to think about this with me for just a little while because I'm an inquisitive person. I like to ask questions. And so I got to watching a whole bunch of videos about the Big Bang and how did this happen. All this stuff that came to be came from this point here. And I want to know about this point. So I got to listening to some smart people. And here's what I heard. That this happened exactly 13.8 billion years ago. And one guy said it really wasn't big and it really wasn't a bang. And he says before this there was no time. And before this bang, he said, the laws of physics didn't apply. So there's no time and there's no nothing and the laws of physics don't apply, and the ways we could measure things wouldn't matter. The way we could look at it and apply math, or Einstein, or any other thing, quantum physics, etc., wouldn't have mattered. Because right here was nothing. I want you to think about nothing. I don't know what you think about. I want everyone here, close your eyes and think about nothing. Go ahead. Quade, close your eyes. Think about nothing. Okay, you had a moment. You're very intelligent people. What would you think about? I'll tell you what I think about black. 
But black is something. Black is a color. It's certainly not nothing. And I got a box here. I'm going to pull out my box. What's in the box? Does anybody know? It's an Amazon box. Got to be something in it. I'm going to pull it open. You might say, there's nothing in the box. It's not true. You're wrong. There's dust in this box. And there's air in this box. And there's germs. And molecules. And atoms. And all kinds of things in this box. And we don't see them. So we look at it and we say, well, there's nothing in there. But there are things so small that we just can't see. So forget the box. I've got a jar here. Well, what's in the jar? Nothing. No, you already know that there's air in there. And there's germs. And there's atoms and molecules of hydrogen and oxygen and all those kinds of things. And so if we could just take and put a vacuum and just suck everything out. And every germ and every neutron and every proton and we could get all of it out. Would it be nothing? Maybe. There can be nothing. You know, you think about it, it's kind of hard to think about nothing. It's hard to describe That there was absolutely nothing. And if there is absolutely nothing in this jar. Then what's going to happen. If we leave that jar right there. Nothing. Because you can't get something. From nothing. And you don't have to be a PhD. You can be the village idiot. And know that. You cannot. Get something. From nothing. It is absolutely impossible. And as I listened to some intelligent people, ultimately they said, we believe. One after another, we believe that there was a big bang and everything came from nothing. And they went on to describe how that here at the Big Bang, that all the matter in the known universe, all the stars, all the planets, everything on earth and the sun and every galaxy, every cosmos, everything that exists was compressed. I used to hear a marble. They've changed that. Now it was compressed into the size of an atom. And it was sitting right there. Of course, if you're like me, you have to ask a question. Where did it come from? (laughs) How did it form? But they don't know, so they say, we believe. We believe. Lost my clicker. Oh, I set it down here. Okay. The size of a penny compared to the moon is about the same size of an hydrogen atom compared to a penny. I want you to think about that for a minute. How small an atom is. How big is a penny compared to the moon? Not very big. In fact, the moon's enormous. 
And an atom is the same size comparatively as a penny to the moon as an atom is to the penny. And you want me to believe that everything that exists was compressed down into that. And then suddenly, inexplicably, it went. It banged to this immense size, two billions of light years, and it traveled and everything we know came to be. Accidentally, from nothing. <clears throat> so, you got this, the Big Bang, or you've got God. I really didn't want to talk about the Big Bang. I, it's really not what I want to talk about. But I have to talk about it. I want you to think about God. Because God is not nothing. God is something. And if you think about those two things, they're absolutely the opposite. The Big Bang is a heartless, meaningless accident. At the very best, there is no meaning behind it. There is no reason. It is absolutely an accident. Things, there are existence there are people we know that and so I want to talk to you about God just a little bit this is Hebrew and you get extra points today if you can read Hebrew can anybody read that probably not uh, I couldn't either I want to ask the question what is God and if if you were to think about that probably some people might say eternity we might apply some other scriptures so we'll think about some of those in just a minute but what is God and if we go to scripture in Hebrews 12, 29, it says God is a consuming fire. Well, that's very descriptive of him in some way, that he's fire because fire's kind of mysterious. It's warm and it changes everything around it. So that's a very interesting statement about God. In the book of Psalms 99, verse 9, he says, Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill, for the Lord our God is holy. You think about the scriptures, and when you think about what we find in the scriptures, we have things that describe God in some way. A God of truth, we might read. Or a God of righteousness. And those are all very true, I believe, when it comes to describing God. But when you think about Him saying that God is holy, or God is a consuming fire, in 1 John 4, verse 8, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. It's very descriptive of him. If I were to say, what is Jace Henderson? Some people are going to say a man. Some's going to say a husband. Some's going to say he works down at the hospital. Some people might say a good guy. Other people might say a dirty rat. That's very hard to describe in one word or one answer, isn't it? God is love. That's what the scripture says. 1 John 1 verse 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declaring to you that God is light. He's light. And John 4 verse 24. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So I wanted to find everything that I could find in scripture that says what God is, and we have fire, light, spirit, 
we have holy and love. That's all I could find. There may be more. There may be something I missed. That's what God is. That still doesn't make any sense when you think about the Big Bang and how did it all get here and where did God come from? And there's a whole lot of questions. And so I want to go to the book of Exodus chapter 3. If you want to pull out your Bible, I'll have the verses on the screen. We're going to start in Exodus chapter 3. And this is the occasion when God speaks to Moses from the burning bush. <clears throat> okay. Verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see. God called unto him out of the midst of the bush. Now we're very technical about this. The angels in the bush. The bush burned. It wasn't burned up. And we all understand what that must have looked like. If there's just a little old bush and it kept on fire. It's not going to take long. It's going to be burned. It's going to be gone. It's going to be over. But he saw this sight. And this angel was there and he couldn't see the angel. All he could see was the fire in the bush. And then God saw what is happening. He witnessed what Moses did and he begins to speak. He says, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am or here am I. He said, draw not neither nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet. For the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And you know, in the next couple of verses, he goes on to tell Moses, I want you to go to Egypt, and I want you to lead my people out of Egypt. That's the reason for this conversation. And I'm sure it was very unexpected, because he's just out there herding his flocks. Now we're going to go ahead and begin in verse 13. Like I said, God describes the task. Moses says unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. What should I tell all these people is your name. I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say to the children of Israel, I am hath sent me to you. And God said moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me unto you. This is my name forever. 
And this is my memorial unto all generations. I am that I am. This is the phrase in the Hebrew. Who sent me? I am. It doesn't make sense, does it? This doesn't make sense. Now, God has a lot of names. And I think he's given more than what Moses asked for. I think he got more information. What is God? The I am. That doesn't make a lot of sense. So if you look at the Hebrew behind this, and this is from the Strong's, this word I am is a very simple word. And it means one thing. To exist. That's all it means. To exist or to be. Now people have a real hard time. Figuring out what God is. And it's a challenge. We have a hard time understanding the nature of God and the scope of his power and all those kinds of things. The thing that I think we could take, because God is truth and God is righteous and he is holy and he is light and all those things, what he said he is is existence. Because there is something. And when you think about that compared to nothing... There certainly is not nothing. There is something. And God is simple and pure existence. He is a vital force. He is a spirit. And he's not bound by time or physics or laws of nature. He is existence. And that is the statement that he made to Moses. I am existence. And you might want to describe God as eternal, and that'd be true. Or timeless. Or any of those other things, and we're going to look at some of that. But I want you to have in your mind today, God's certainly not nothing. He is something. In fact, He is everything, because He is pure and simply existence. The state of being is God. That's what he is. He said in Revelation 1 verse 8, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, which is to come, the Almighty. What is he saying? I'm everything. Everything. And so God... Is everything. And he goes on here to add another phrase. The almighty. So I wanted to look that up. And I wanted to think about that word. And it's a Greek word. And it says the all ruling. That is God as absolute and universal sovereignty. Almighty omnipotent. Now if you look at the word omnipotent. Uh, it's an interesting word and it means one who has all power or unlimited power or all authority. And what God is saying here is I am everything and I have all power. That's what I am. 
which is, which was, which is to come. The Almighty. He's everywhere. And He has all power. And there can only be one with all power. There can't be a second one who has all power or else they wouldn't have all power. There's only one. There's only one God. And He is the existent God. And He creates all. He is the Almighty. Genesis chapter 1 beginning of verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Was it a bang? I don't know. And frankly, I don't care. This was how it went in the beginning. There was something, God, who decided to create everything. And that's what He did. He created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. I'll tell you, it's much easier for me to believe then everything that exists was crammed into the size of an atom and it decided for whatever unpredictable reason to pop. God created us. Because He exists and He is the existent one and He wanted to do that, so He did. And we may wonder why. In Psalms 115 verse 3, I think we have the answer. Our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever He hath pleased. Because nothing exists without Him. Nothing exists outside of Him. Everything that exists is from God. Everything. And if He decides to create, He creates. And He's a spirit, and so He's not bound by physics or time. He can see everything, everywhere. That is the nature of God. Psalms 90 verse 2, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. He can make a decision. Create mountains, he create mountains. He wants to create a nebula out in space or a black hole. He has that power. Because he has all power. Isaiah 44 verse 6 is a good one. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and the last, and besides me there is no God. He's everything. In fact, Jesus in John 8, verse 58 said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. I'll give you all one guess what that means. Yep. I exist. I am the eternal being. Isaiah 40, 28. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. Man can't know. I want to go to Genesis chapter 1, beginning of verse 24. God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so. God made the beast of the earth after his kind and cattle after their kind and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, 
and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female, created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of the earth, and every tree which is the fruit of a tree, or every tree which is in the fruit of the tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for me, to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the earth, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life. I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Mankind is the pinnacle of God's creation. It's the top thing he made. Greater than the earth. Greater than the animals. Greater than the stars. Greater than time. Greater than a cosmos. Man. And woman. Was the purpose. Of why he made what he made. And it's an important thing I want you to note. It is a purpose. God had a purpose. Not an accident. He didn't accidentally snap his finger and put all this in motion. He had a plan and a purpose. And we want to know why. We want to know why he did it. And why am I here? And why will it happen? And why am I where I am? And why am I doing what I'm doing? And what is life? And what's this all about? And I think I know the answer. Love. Love. Because God is love. And if you can wrap your head around it, existence, which is God, is love. To live is love. And to exist is to love. They are one and the same. It's what God's about. God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. But that the world through him might be saved. Why? It was love. We could, we can try to come up with some theory. You might say he was lonesome. I don't think any of that makes. What makes sense is he loves. And so, because he loved, he created the world. Not just to create a world. Not just to create a universe that's cool. But to be a habitation for man. To be a place for you to live. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 9. Furthermore we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection 
under the Father of spirits. We're spirits. We tend to think we're just flesh and blood, and that's not true. We are spirit, first and foremost. God gave you life. When you're conceived in the womb, he gave you life and gave you spirit, and you are eternal. And it's easy to say, well, I'm going to die someday. Yeah, your flesh will die, but your spirit won't. You're going to live on forever. Now, ultimately, that's in heaven or hell. But God has created you an eternal being. Acts 17 verse 28. For in him, that's in God, we live and move and have our being. As certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. We are a little part of God. And he's created us that way. And he's given us an opportunity to live. Genesis 2 verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. He didn't do it that way for the dog. Or for the cat. Or for the horse. Or the monkey. Or any other thing. He just did it for you. Because you're the pinnacle of his creation. And the purpose of it all. Because he loved you. And he wants you to be with him. And it would seem clear to me that he wanted man to be a companion to him. But he had to be worthy. A worthy companion. And if you ask me, that's what life's all about. Just decide who's worthy. He gave us what we needed. To have a relationship with him. And you will decide if you're worthy. You'll follow his commands and submit to his will and lean on him for help and be worthy or not worthy. Another passage, Luke 3, beginning of verse 34. Luke's got a whole list of people. I'm not going to read the whole list. I'm going to read part of the list of people who lived. I get irritated and it's just, let me get on a soapbox just a second, okay? People say this Bible character. They're not characters. They're real people. These are people who lived. It's not a character because this is not fiction. This is history. Luke 3.34, which was the son of Jacob, which was the son of Isaac, which is the son of Abraham, which was the son of Therah, which was the son of Nachor, which was the son of Sarah, which was the son of Ragu, which was the son of Phalak, which was the son of Heber, which was the son of Selah, which was the son of Canaan, which was the son of Arphaxad, which was the son of Shem, which was the son of Noah, which was the son of Lamech, which was the son of Methuselah, which was the son of Enoch, which was the son of Jared, which was the son of Malil, which was the son of Canaan, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam. Whose son is he? Son of God. Whose son are you? You're the son of God. The daughter of God. We all come from God. And he gives us spirit and he gives us life and he does that. Why? Because he loves us. You see. Because God is love. To exist is to love. The book of Jeremiah chapter 1 beginning of verse 4. When the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Behold, I formed thee in the belly. I did it. 
Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. I sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. He knew Jeremiah and he knew you. Before you were born, before anyone knew you were conceived, God knew you. When he gave you life. Revelation 4 verse 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things. And for thy pleasure they are and were created. Psalms 116 verse 15. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saint. You say, now wait a minute. If he loves us and he gives us life. Then why let us die? If he really loves us, and all these things are made for us, then why do bad things happen? But you know, for you to be worthy, you've got to make these choices on your own. That's why we have free will. You make the choice to follow God if you want to follow him. You can make the choice to submit to him, to accept him and serve him. You can do what you want to do. You can run wild if you want. You can live absent of God. You can ignore the evidence and you can go do anything you want to do. You can live wild and crazy or just alone to yourself and ignore him altogether. But if he wants to have you part of his kingdom, if you want to be a part of where he dwells, you've got to submit because he's the only thing that exists. He's the only thing that is. And precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Because he looks forward to the day that you can reach eternity, washed in the blood of Jesus, and be with Him. He anticipates the day where He can have you with Him, holy and perfect, and no longer carnal. Ezekiel thirty-three eleven, saying to them, As I live, saith the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He don't want people to die. He wants people to make the right choices. He wants people to accept him and believe in him and follow him. That's what he wants. Another passage from Exodus. And this Exodus has a lot in it that tells us about the nature of God. Exodus 34 verse 4. Moses, he hewed two tables of stone likened to the first. This is after he threw down the first. He's made a second set now. Like unto the first, and Moses rose up early in the morning and went up into Mount Sinai, as the Lord had commanded him, and took in his hand the two tables of stone. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. It's interesting that he does this to Moses. He's already told him the name way back there. We read it a while ago. He's going to tell him his name again. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands and forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Isn't that love? Isn't that love? You know, we readily forgive those we love. We forgive a lot of people we don't love. 
But it's easy to forgive people. We tell our kids we love you unconditionally. And they can do bad things. And they can break your favorite dish. And they can make a mess. And they can aggravate you. And they can say ugly things to you. And we love them. Anyway, and this is what he's describing here. Merciful and gracious. and This is the nature of God. He's love. But to exist is to love. But love dictates and love demands because we have free will that evil be put away somewhere away from those that are good. That Satan and his forces be put away somewhere And that's why God looks upon the death of the wicked. He wishes it wasn't that way, but it has to be that way. I want you to notice. Forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, and upon the children's children under the third and the fourth generation. And Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. You say, why? God created you so that he can love you. And give you an opportunity to be with him. If you'll submit to his will. Then you can be with him. And if you won't submit to his will. Then he will punish you. And he will drive you away. And it's fair. It's perfectly fair. Because God's holy. And you cannot be with God. Unless you submit to his will. And he will cleanse you and he will make you holy too. We love him because he first loved us. He's taught us what love is. John 14, 15. If Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. John 14, 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, he will keep my words. And my father will love him. And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. It's God of love. And everything he's done. Everything he has done. Is so that you can be with him. In the Matthew 11 verse 28. He says come unto me all you that labor. And are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Did you know that the Almighty wants you? He wants every, If everyone here is in a safe condition, except one, then he wants that one. And when everyone in Wheeler, Texas, is in a right relationship with God, but one, then he wants that one. And everyone in Wheeler County... But one, then he wants the one. And everyone in the state of Texas. And if we're going to talk about Texas, then we just forget the rest and talk about the whole. If everyone in the whole world is right with God, but one, he wants the one. Because he's love. So get out your songbook today. God's not some clown. He's not some quack doctor who can't do what he promises. He does everything he promises. 
And he has promised he will change your life. He will make you what you ought to be for him. He can help you with any problem that you have. No one is capable of destroying their life so much that he can't fix it. Because he's the almighty. And I'll tell you, there are people whose lives are wrecked and destroyed today because they won't submit to him. And it's the best thing you can do. And I I don't know what's going on in your life, but I do know this one thing. If you're not in a good standing with God, if you're not in a right relationship with God, there is nothing else that matters. Nothing but that one thing. And we have these services because we want to worship and glorify God. But we also have a song of invitation here so you can make a change. So you can be what God would have you to be. Because our God's a consuming fire. He's holy. And if you won't submit to him, then you'll be put away. You're not going to ruin heaven for everybody. But you must submit. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.